as you're moving through life, maybe stepping out of your comfort zone, working towards your dreams, betting on yourself, or just trying to be a little adventurous in your choices. Do you ever feel like you're carrying around an invisible backpack full of bricks? Not the physical kind, of course, but one filled with emotional and mental weights that slow you down, cloud your focus, and maybe even keep you up at night. If yes, well, then you're not alone, and there's a name for it. It's called the energetic clutter, and today we're going to talk about it. Hello and welcome back to Experable. In this episode, I am talking to Tanya Cole Lesnick, a psychotherapist turned personal development coach with three decades of professional experience. Tanya helps individuals clear their energetic clutter and pursue lives that honor their most authentic selves and that they are genuinely excited to be living. Together, we'll discuss how to identify, confront, and clear emotional and mental clutter like limiting beliefs, cultural and childhood conditioning, and other faulty narratives. We'll also talk about tackling the tricky terrain of social media trends and their impact on our self-image and ambitions. So if you've ever caught yourself thinking, am I enough? Or why can't I just be more like XY person? Or why do I keep making the same mistake? But why do I keep ending up in the same relationship again and again? Then you are in the right place. Get ready to explore the depths of your own inner landscape. Discover tools to navigate through the noise. And maybe, just maybe, find that spark of guidance that's been waiting to light your way. All right, let's get into it. Welcome back to Experable. I'm your host, Krati Mehra. And in this show, we learn from the success and struggles of people we admire and dive deep into concepts that help us expand the possibilities available to us so we can freely, boldly design the life we desire, discover the depth and breadth of our capabilities, access the wisdom available in the world around us, and even on really bad days, love what we see in the mirror. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's start with the most important question, energetic clutter. I want to understand from you, what do you mean by that? Because I've consumed some of your content around the topic, but the way you cover it is quite unique. So I would love for you to share more about it. Actually, the term came to me, it's probably what I've done with my clients and myself for more than 30 years is helping people identify and clear energetic clutter. But calling it that came to me when I was literally cleaning through my kitchen cabinets and just realizing that the kind of space that some of the things that we focus on, the things that we think about especially limiting beliefs paired with the behaviors, and we can talk more about what that is, those kinds of things take up our energy and they can lead to us being very depleted. They can interfere with our ability to focus on what really matters to us, what we really want to be focusing on and take over in our lives. And so energetic clutter is something I want to or I help people, but I want to help other people understand that if you're not paying attention to what the energetic clutter is in your life, then that kind of stuff can take over and run the show and drive some of your decisions, things like the limiting beliefs or, and I'll give you just a quick example, and I'm sure we can probably get more into it, but some limiting belief like, oh, I have to hustle for my worth. Well, if somebody's carrying that kind of limiting belief that grew out of childhood for most of us, these limiting beliefs, then when they make their choices on how to live their lives, they're going to do more, 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 not allow themselves to rest until they feel they've done everything they can possibly do to engage in this hustle. And then more often than not, they're exhausted, they haven't taken good care of themselves, and they crash and then start again the next day. So that is what I mean when I say energetic clutter. I I do want to add something here. I am very much a member of the Hustle Club. (laughs) I think so are you. You run a business. It's hard work. But I want to bring the focus to what you said. Let's make sure that it is very clear to our listeners. Hustle for your worth, not hustle for your goals, but hustle for your worth. There is a distinction here, and I'm sure that this was deliberate. So care to expand on that. 
So if you have this idea that your worth is connected to hustle, then it gets scary to stop. It feels, it's very, I was going to say, it's very externally based in a way. You feel like, oh, I must, I must. Are people going to respond to me? Which is different than working hard and being engaged and feeling like your your priorities are being honored, your heart is being honored, your working hard is connected to your internal experience as well. That if you're not feeling well and you need to take a rest, you can allow such things and then come back to working hard when you have the bandwidth for that. So hustling for your worth doesn't allow things like that. You feel Many people who struggle with that one feel that if they're not working, they're losing their value, they're losing traction, and there's almost like a, I don't know what the right, I was going to say a desperation to it, but like a compulsion to keep going. And if you're not, then there's some fear that gets kicked up and some anxiety that gets kicked up. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to take a minute here and talk about this because I could have really used someone like you in my life a few years back because this is behavior that I was guilty of. And I was in this trap where I was deriving my worth from how many hours I was working. Even though I was like, I was working all day long and I used to feel very satisfied at the end of the day. Look at me. I worked 12 hours today. Clearly my business is going to be a success because I'm working so hard and I felt really good about myself when in fact, the things that I was doing, because there was no strategy to it. I was working like an animal, like a mindless animal. There was no strategy to it. I was barely generating any results. So this is actually quite dangerous. Not only is it dangerous to your mental health, to your physical health, it's actually dangerous to also the goal that you're pursuing. For me, my goal was making my business work, attracting clients. None of that was happening, but I was putting in 12 hours every day and feeling very good about it. It took someone, uh, it took a friend to point out that, why are you doing this? Why are you working so hard? You've got dark circle under your eyes. Even though you're doing something you love, you don't look like you're doing something you love. And then I had to really get a strategy in in place. I had to let go of uh, things that were not working. And some days I work two hours a day, but those two hours have been spent in doing something so massively impactful, like maybe delivering a workshop to, you know, 5,000 people and it generates results. And that's all I do that day. Yeah. But if, but like you said, if you are getting your um, feeling good about yourself based on how many hours you're working, if you're hustling, not for your goal, but to maintain that sense of self-importance, then that is so, so very, very dangerous in so very many ways. Yeah. yeah. I mean, similar to you, I know you mentioned because I'm an entrepreneur, I have got my own business as well. And that there is that push to like, let's go, let's, let's figure this out. And this chapter for me is a couple years old now. And I know at the very beginning I had definitely like shiny object syndrome and I was looking and had similar feelings to gotta just move and get this done and figure this out and learn this and do that and and there was a lot of new things and I had to sit myself down and and really remind myself that that energy was not serving me and I wasn't feeling balanced even if some of those steps were the right steps they were but the energy that it took to maintain that kind of pace was so depleting that I had to remind myself to come back to balance and rest, to allow rest, to allow rest in the middle of the day. What does that even look like? And to know that I do better when I honor my inner outer needs, my energy needs, all of that. Yeah. And I think you're totally right. You're very, very like on point when you say there's a desperation to it. And that desperation, it keeps you on the treadmill. It also does not leave much room for intelligent thought. You're not thoughtful about how you're progressing, which is going to make good, positive, enduring results impossible. And you don't even realize till you have that gap, you have that window of rest where you realize, oh my God, I am so tired because you're just constantly going. You don't even notice how exhausted you are till something drastic happens. And then in my case, I collapsed and just had to you know spend the night on the bathroom floor because I couldn't move so stuff like that it's so unfortunate that that happens I'm glad that you know you're you're talking about this now coming back to 
energetic clutter that we were talking about. I think here here's my take on it. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think again, a lot of people don't realize it. You you've I think you you're doing this is amazing what what you're doing with this because we are all working hard and it's good. We should be working hard. We should be trying to self-actualize and achieve, you know, good things in our life. But when there is this, as you said, there is a struggle towards your goals. And then there is a struggle that is completely unnecessary. There is resistance that is created by how we perceive the world, how we perceive ourselves, our limiting beliefs, the stories that are no longer relevant, but are being carried into every single day. Let's talk a little bit more about that. How can someone identify that for like, let's start there, because I think, I think this is a universal suffering. I really do Mm. believe that. And I believe it's unnecessary. So let's go deeper into that. Yeah, yeah. I actually created a little animation that I recently, I just put it up on my site. Yeah, yeah. And the goal of the animation is to really help people get a clear understanding so that it can be user friendly for people. Mm -hmm. But really, it's this idea. And I list in mine, I list seven limiting beliefs that are so common in the work that I've done. I work with people who have many of these. And when I share them with people, people are often respond with, oh, yes, that's me. That's me. That's me. Maybe that one's not. But the rest are me. Something because they really (laughs) resonate for people. They're so common in our cultures, in various cultures, in different family setting. These ideas get communicated. And so if we aren't careful then they can drive us. And so the ones that I mentioned, I always forget one or two, but are people pleasing is the behavior, but people pleasing is connected to this idea that I'm going to, the limiting belief is I'm going to be abandoned if I am not agreeable, if I don't say yes to things. And so that pairing people, and that's one that I've worked on a lot for myself is really when I discovered that I was people pleasing and that I was being more accommodating to other people without checking in with myself first and what that did to my energy that kind of understanding changed everything because it's not that I'm not never accommodating, but I'm always checking in first. Does that work for me? As long as that works for me and I feel like that's a yes I want to say, then I can do that with eyes wide open. I talked about the hustling for worth one. And so that's the somebody who struggles with that is going to overdo feeling like you're not enough. Or feeling like you're too much, those seem to go hand in hand, and many people have both. They feel that they're not enough, but then they worry when they put themselves out there more, they're too much. So people who think they're too much will tamp themselves down. People who think they're not enough may try and do things that are not true to them to to try and have more of an impact. What else? Feeling like it's better to take other care of other people than ourselves. This is a very common one for especially mothers struggle so much with this one. There is still a compliment to mothers that to me floors me all the time. It's this idea of like, oh, she's so selfless. She Mm, takes care of everybody else before her. Somehow that is still seen as a compliment. And it's really not the goal. The goal is not to put everyone before you. And also, we don't teach our kids well. When we do that, we are teaching our kids to not put themselves first. And I don't mean that in an entitled, selfish way, although I do think being selfish gets a bad rap. But I mean in a what do I need? How do I need to take good care of myself? How do I start to identify that? And another one is the idea of being productive is better than any other kind of use of time. And so many people, and I've also been guilty of this one, have a very long to-do list when they're like, okay, as soon as all this is done, then I can relax, then I can focus on myself. But then you don't get to that because the list is never done. The list always grows and then you're not getting to yourself and it's exhausting. And so doing things that are fun or that allow you to rest, that allow you to just experience a little bit of joy gets backburnered. And when that happens, you know, of course people are going to feel like there's some missing level of satisfaction in their lives. So I'm probably forgetting some, but that gives you the gist of all the different 
at least common ones. There's so many, and everybody's got their own nuanced versions from how they've learned it. Where did they learn it? Did they learn it in their families? Did they learn it in school? What are some of these lessons that each person is carrying? And how can we, so then back to your question, right? What do we do about it? How do we start to work on that? I often start with people because they're coming in for coaching with me. I often start with their pain points because that's why they've come in to see me. And so it could be something like, oh, I'm losing my temper a lot and I don't know why. Or I just feel so blah all the time and that feels awful or I'm irritable. And so we'll talk We'll start with tracking. Where is it coming up? What's somebody doing that leads to some of those feelings they're talking to me about? When does it show up? What's happening right before? What are they doing? And try and gather together some patterns that people start to notice when they're tracking. Like, oh, I always lose my temper. And maybe it's like on the days that I've overpacked my day and I realize that I'm so stressed on those days that I just lose my temper. And if that's what we start to learn, then we start to put in some steps. How can we start to reduce that? Now, that's probably not the first time somebody has set a goal for themselves to do less in a day. But with this lens on of, Okay, there's a real limiting belief underneath that. So what happens, let's say it is somebody who believes they have to hustle for their worth. They realize they're losing their temper because they're doing too much and they're depleted. And we start figuring out how they can start to do less. Guess what happens? (laughs) They start to panic. Like starting to not do so much is really scary. If that's your belief, if your limiting belief is my worth is connected to this, even if intellectually we've talked about it, we get it, we understand, we're in agreement, all understood, starting to take some of those action steps can really trigger a lot of fear, a lot of discomfort. It can activate the nervous system. And so that's part of If you know that going in, it can just help take really small steps and also figure out what kind of comfort do you need in place for yourself to like grounding so that as you take some of these steps and as you feel some discomfort popping up, it doesn't pull you back in. It happens with me still. Like this was what I shared the example with you. This was so long ago. But even today, if I have worked less than five hours, less than four hours, even though I've done really solid work, good work, I've achieved something very tangible. And even if not, like maybe I've just reached the end of the month and the goals are just done. It's so hard to shut down the laptop and step away from the desk. And then I'll be like, are you, you you still have all day left? Maybe let's just start on the next month's list. And then I'm like, screw that. No, I'm going to go have fun today. The whole day is about me today. But, but it's an effort. There is a conversation that I have to have with myself. Yes. And then obviously, there's no one pushing me, but it almost feels like I'm physically, I've had to force myself out of that room away from my laptop. And so you're, you're bang on. That is, it's very, it's like, something's unraveling and you don't know about it yeah 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 because you you've stepped away from the laptop something bad is about to happen and you just don't know yet it's gonna hit you in the face and then (laughs) yeah yeah that's so beautiful I think what you described is like okay you've been up against it enough now that you know what gets picked up now it can be confusing for a bit right like probably at first you feel the pull at first you're like oh I should and then when you can look at yourself and realize, oh, I'm doing that thing. And the more we know the things that we do, our own kind of pulls, the better. And so for me, I think, I know I talked about the people pleasing thing. That one I'm so clear about because I've worked on for so long. But being in a new business and feeling similar to what you're talking about, I think for me, I get to a place of overwhelm. I I find myself being like, I don't know what to do first. I don't know what to do next or something like that. That's my clue to like, all right, I think you need like 10 minutes. Just go catch your breath. And that helps me 
I'm grounded, I'm able to take a breath and just get clear on where I'm going next. Whereas when I'm in that state of overwhelm, that's in that more desperation kind of experience where I'm like, I'm not even thinking it through. I'm just in that automatic sort of behavior without checking in with myself. This is what scares me. It took me um, again, the example that I shared, it was a year before somebody else pointed and somebody else had to point it out to me. What the hell are you doing? And why are you yeah. working like this? But it was a year of me doing that nonsense and then not realizing that nothing's happening. I It scares me to think that I could have kept going on that path because to my understanding, I was not, I think I, I was doing th- something. I was moving forward. So it, it took me so long to figure out that there's something wrong here and somebody else had to point it out for my benefit and you'll not always have someone doing that for you so can we talk about how you figured it out how you figured out your limiting beliefs and is there any kind of assessment that you'll recommend to people something like an exercise that they can do that would help them recognize that this struggle that I'm experiencing is not actually about the goals or about the things or the skills that I don't have it's actually internal and there's something else at the base of it Yeah, it's such an interesting question. And you just sparked an idea for me, which is I should create some kind of assessment or quiz for people so that they can quickly identify. Because the thing is, well, I'll answer your question is like, for me, it's just what I've done in my work and for myself, as I mentioned at the beginning, for 30 more than 30 years, if we want to count the work I've done on myself as well of like, huh, what's working, what's not working, what's in the way. But to actually name it this energetic clutter, I've known what limiting beliefs were, but I think energetic clutter is, it's when we don't question them. We don't even know they're there and it's the behavior as well. It's not just the belief, but it's how the belief drives the behavior. And so it's that pairing that takes up so much space. I mean, for me, it was very recent that I even came up with this idea of calling it that. But I think since I've called it that, and I talk to people about this, what I mean by that, there is a quicker understanding of what it is. So that's been really helpful to be able to use that language and also to help people make the distinction because energetic clutter is not energy because we choose to put energy towards things that matter to us when we're doing that, when we're choosing to put energy somewhere. And it takes a lot of energy. It doesn't even have to be energy that necessarily feels great all the time. I mean, I was talking recently to people about raising children. Raising children can include some really not fun parts to it, and it can be very energetically depleting, but that doesn't mean you wouldn't choose it. it you've chosen it. Um, and so to put your energy there isn't clutter necessarily, but for people that just don't allow themselves to stop or to rest or check in with themselves, then it can turn into energetic clutter. So by clutter, I mean all that stuff we haven't looked at. You said those stories that we tell ourselves, right? And that's pretty much what I mean by these limiting beliefs. But we tell ourselves these stories that, oh, if I don't do this, so-and-so is going to be mad at me. Or if I don't do that, this is going to happen. And those are stories. Now, Could that person be mad at you if you don't? Sure, they could be mad at you. But that's not the driving reason that I would recommend for anybody to make choices for themselves is to learn when are the times when I'm going to honor myself at the expense of maybe people will receive me differently. But that's the priority is for me to take good care of myself and be true to my heart and and know what my heart is even saying to me. I mean, what happens often is that people are so busy doing this hustling behavior or some of these other things that I listed that they don't even know what their hearts are saying to them because they haven't gotten quiet enough and taken the time and the space for themselves to really check in with their hearts. So my process really with people is helping them start to consider the possibility that there's a limiting belief underneath what's driving them. And what often happens is people are like, oh, you mean I don't have to do that? There's a real should 
connected to a lot of these things. I think it anyways pays to be in touch with yourself. It's anyways helpful, even if your life is going really, really well for you to constantly check in with yourself. I do it all the time for me. It's so natural. I think people should do that. But do you think it will be helpful so far as energetic clutter is concerned, wherein we check in with ourselves? And if something is consuming us a lot, like there is something that's a big part of our life, but we don't see results that are in proportion to that, be it in personal, professional life, emotional, mental, whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you think it would, then we can sit down with that journal about it or talk to someone about it and figure out if there is something un- underlying that process that is in fact very unhealthy or coming from a not so good place. In, in yeah, us. I mean, I think that would be amazing for for people to really check in, like how am I sort of moving forward in my life and what is feeling satisfying what's not feeling satisfying and I think what you were talking about is if something's consuming you what does that mean you know something can be quite consuming if you're on a a deadline you've got a big project and it can be exactly what it needs to be and you're excited about it and it's in alignment with what you want to do fine but if that's a way of life like consuming to me feels like you lose yourself you're in this behavior and you've kind of lost yourself and even if what you're choosing feels like things you want to be choosing yes if you're not getting results if you're not getting rest if you're not feeling balanced if you're not having joy peace that's something to check in about and see and see whether or not there's anything underneath that that would be really helpful yeah. I, I want to talk more about this but you know you you pointed out about the thing that women do where they, they they believe they have to be selfless to be good mothers and daughters and daughter-in-laws and wives and whatnot you know the number one tv show in india right now i'm in india just in case you didn't know that the number one show in india is about this woman who finds out that her husband has been cheating on her for eight ten years and then it's a, it's supposed to be about her journey of liberation, where she frees herself from these shackles and she flies high. But throughout that show, they repeatedly, what they are, they have rammed this lesson down your throat is that this woman, even though her husband cheated on her, her in-laws were treating her badly, she continues to serve them. Even after she gets a divorce, she still lives with them. She holds down a job. She gets up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. to cook breakfast for everyone. She lets them still call her names. She continues to do things with them. And it is the number one show in our country. Wow. (laughs) That is frightening to me. Women in India are doing so much. They're getting out there. They're making their own choices. They're not letting anyone tell them what they should and should not do. They are like, they are the true, to me, at least to my understanding of feminism, they seem to represent that well. The way I am feminism, not the one that's popularized on social media, but the true meaning of feminism, I feel like they embody that. But then the show is the number one show in this country, which means that people are enjoying it. And I I don't know what to... What does that say about the women? And most of the people watching are women. It's it's a female-loved show. What does that say about the women in our country? So you are so bang on that this is very much still the idea that women carry, that a good mother will get everything done, even if her health is failing. A good wife will always support her husband, even if her husband is a douchebag. And right. so like there is this lack of, what is that concept? Self-differentiation? yeah right so i i want to talk about this because i do understand a little bit where this comes from my mother herself you know is guilty of this behavior where she even if she's sick she's getting out of bed and doing things for us she has to be forced back into bed she thinks it's so wrong to get some rest even on the day that you have 102 degree fever so i do understand that there are cultural forces at work here this is how you've been raised so when it is this insidious and it is the, this deep when it's about the conditioning that you've been given since you were a kid, how do people start unraveling that? Right. I mean, and that's a lot of the work is that this is entrenched. It's so entrenched. And hearing what you're saying, some of that is because even like what I was saying before about like the intellectual understanding, even if we understand that's not a great idea to do that and it, you know, we, we need to take care of ourselves people are still watching each other, you know? And so there's the generational thing, you know, watching the people, our parents, the people who came before us. But I talk to a lot of clients who are 
have the belief, and it's not true, but they have this idea that everybody else has figured it out. Everybody right. else is handling right. it just great. I'm the only one who's struggling. And it's really, and this is why I love groups so much, because I do a combination of individual and group coaching with people. And part of the reason why I love that is to poke holes in those stories, because so many people believe that the rest of the world's got it figured out and they're the only ones that are struggling. And I like to help people see you are not alone and this is a bigger issue. And then how do we handle it? And part of that is to understand it is entrenched. Give yourself some time, take some small steps, know that your nervous system is going to be activated. It's a bigger deal than just saying, Oh, just do less. Figure out a, a schedule that's not so exhausting. That's it. Well, if that worked, <laughs> you know, it, and of course, that's part of it. But there are the other pieces that if you're not paying attention to them, you're not going to be able to get so much traction because your fear is going to be so kicked up. It'll take over. That is so true. And I think you're very right when this is, I think, the worst part of Instagram. This is the its worst aspect that it shows all of these high flying achievements look glamorous and easy it is not glamorous and it is not easy to build an empire i mean they show even like building an empire is this easy is is you know going on yachts and private jets no that's not true and so many people don't ever try to poke like you said poke holes in those stories like this is not all there is to it obviously otherwise every second person would be a millionaire or a billionaire right <laughs> but nobody ever questions it we just take it on and i have like there was one person who told me that no, I think it's just jealousy when people say that, which is such a dangerous narrative to spin for yourself where you, your intellect is telling you that makes no sense. But then there is this other more vulnerable, more insecure side of you dismissing your concern and saying, oh, you're just jealous. Yeah. That's so dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's part of what I work on people on with people is helping them start to trust that intuitive voice. Like there is a voice inside of all of us that if we allow it to be in relationship with our minds and our hearts, yeah. then we can really use our own inner guidance and trust our own inner guidance rather than taking so much from people outside of ourselves. Yes. I think there is also a loneliness to that process. And I've heard most of your story. And this is what stood out to me that the, how you battled a sense of loneliness as you were working on all of it. I think that is the scary part of it. Because when you start to say to yourself, all of these beliefs that I've held, they're nonsense. That is a lonely process because then every you, you're you're sort of at sea with it. You don't know where you're going to go with this. All these people who've been whispering things in your ear, you can't trust them anymore. And you can't even trust the cultural conditioning you've had up to this point or your upbringing for that matter. This was my experience when I was in depression. I was like, all of this, nothing is making sense anymore. I had to literally like start from scratch. And it was a, it, I am very good with being alone. I'm good with, I never get lonely, but that is not everyone's experience. It is a lonely, lonely process. So please talk to me about that. How do they, how do they deal with that? Yeah, I mean, that's such a good Point. And I, I haven't connected it so directly to the energetic clutter part, but you're right. And I think you may be referencing, so on my website, I also have this little documentary that tells the story of how I even first became a therapist and then later I became a coach. And it really was, I wanted love. I was struggling to have a long-term love relationship. And the story that I was telling myself was, maybe I'm unlovable. Like maybe that's why. And so that was like this secret story that I had a lot of shame about. I didn't want anybody to know I thought that because I worried that if they knew that I thought that, then maybe they would agree. Maybe they would see that as well. And so that was a scary journey to go into, I first went to therapy for the first time and then that therapist put me in group as well. And to start to be vulnerable with people was very scary initially but also it is really connecting and again that's why I love group and retreats I do because I think this these sharing these inner worlds with other people it does help us realize that we're not alone and it, it's got to be with people who also are willing to go there 
being willing to go there. And by going there, I mean being vulnerable and looking at ourselves internally and sharing some of what we see can help us know we're not alone. But you're absolutely right. It can be very lonely. And then as, let's say, the hustle culture is part of what you're realizing needs to be changed in your life. And all of a sudden, you're not showing up for some of the things that you used to just show up with, with other people in that same community. And then you're now making different choices. Yeah, it can be really hard to now wait, I'm choosing differently now. It's hard for me to choose differently. Forget about these other people. It's hard for me just to do it within myself. But then add these other people to the mix, people who are saying, wait, why are you not doing that? Because they don't get it. They're not doing the same internal work that we're doing. You know, I think you're talking about somebody who's embarking on this journey and starting to see things a little bit differently and making these changes. Yeah, it absolutely can be scary and lonely. And so I think setting up different communities. Like I said, I love group. I love retreats. I think it can really help. And it can really help with the loneliness. And also it can help connect people to other people who are going on their own version of that kind of a journey. So I think that that can be really helpful to to know that there are other people out there that would understand better. But yeah, it could be a part of questioning who are the people around you? Are they people that help you sort of feel safe to be yourself and built up and all of that? Or are they depleting, actually? Are they people that are pulling at you for something that no longer, you're realizing no longer serves you? Yeah, I do want to add like two things here. The one thing I realized when I was a kid and it just got reinforced over the years. As a kid, this was some a source of hostility for me. As an adult, it was just a, just how the world functions. There's no hostility around it anymore. But I realized that nobody will ever, no matter how much they love you, will ever care about your well-being as much as you will care about your own well-being. So it is very idiotic for you. And it is, I'm uncomfortable with that word, idiotic of you yeah. to allow other people to have a share in your choices. Don't don't do that. Learn from them for sure. Yeah. Even take guidance from them, but let your own voice be the the decider, like the ultimate point of decision making. Let let that be true. I mean, my mother, obviously your mother adores you and but even she does not know what works for you as well as you do. My mother will always put me before herself. She will sacrifice herself for me. And that's that's, you know, something I'm very aware of. But at the end of the day, she does not know what is best for me. Yeah. I do. It's just something we forget. The other thing is something that might be helpful to people who are not ready to sign up for group coaching yet. But this might just get them there is I sometimes will feel something, encounter some issue, emotional mostly, and I'll go on Reddit. I know that's not the healthiest thing to do, but I'll just Google about it and see if there's someone else who struggles with this. And there will be like a bunch of posts and so many discussions happening online where people are experiencing the same thing. And be like, oh my God, I'm not alone. This is a common problem. Or even if it's not common, it's happening. People are facing this. And then if it's something big enough, you'll be like, okay, let me let me find out if there's an expert, there's a coach who's running a group for it. Because you're, it's so, there is power in hearing someone else say, oh my God, me too. Right. That's right. I mean, because back to the story that I was sharing about worrying I was unlovable, when I started to hear that people that I could see, I was getting to know these people in the group, I could see how amazing they were. And they would talk about their own insecurities. And I was like, it poked a hole in that story for me because then I started to think about it differently. And so absolutely, I think finding that because then it makes it not about you being so flawed. It's more like, oh, right. It, it's complicated being human. And this is one of those yeah. layers. And it can help us to sort of separate that out from how we identify ourselves and giving ourselves some kind of um, naming it as a flaw for ourselves i want to ask you this one thing there is self-doubt that we encounter like when you're working on your business or when you're maybe in the gym and trying to lift weights there is that kind of self-doubt but then there is the kind of self-doubt that you you know face a lot like in relationships 
that self-doubt has a different energy to it. It makes you feel so exposed, so vulnerable. That kind of self-doubt emotionally triggers you. Not being able to lift weights, that's fine. But somebody not calling you back after a date, that is a different, that is a whole other what do you call it? A whole other feeling. Well, like very- to it. I mean, I think you're saying if it's, if you're worried that you're wrong somehow, that there's something really flawed or unlovable about you that goes really deep and then doubting that you can do a thing. I mean, it, it could push you to want to learn more or something like that, but it's not the same as questioning your whole self and your value and your identity and all of that. The growth mindset is not so effective in those areas of life. So talk to me about what like what advice would you give to someone listening to this and saying, oh, my God, that happens with me a lot. How do they arrest that thought in its tracks like before it starts to completely change their self-image? That's where I think it would be helpful to start learning and you do have me going now on this assessment piece because just (laughs) even starting to identify oh this is sort of limiting beliefs but to start to question it even to start to say okay I feel like I'm unlovable but when do I feel that the most when does that feel like it, it goes to this deep core place and start to track that and my hope is that somebody then could start to notice some patterns and say, oh, I really go to this very deep place of self-doubt after I visit with my family, say, let's just say that's a time, then it could be, you know, we can so automatically go into our family roles when we're with our family, that kind of thing. And if we're not always with our family, then there could be a real distinction. So that could be part of it. It could be in certain environments, a work environment or with friendships. And so maybe just starting to notice where does it feel the most intense for me, that doubt, and starting to try to understand what else might be in play here. And also, if you're really struggling, I think just to, if you can allow yourself to be in an environment where there are other human beings kind of doing that kind of journey, I think it is helpful to see people not only try and understand themselves and figure out their own questions about worth. But there's a real connection and love that happens within these groups and within um, retreat kind of settings. And I think if it's a safe space, it's got to be a safe space. There are also plenty of group situations where somebody, you know, where the talking is not something that's really set up to be such a safe space. And so that part's really critical. I think one of the major things in this process at least to according to me, is that people are not very willing to advocate for themselves. I think we are so quick to internalize all of these things that we hear about ourselves, what our experiences are telling us, what are uh, some kind of failure that we have had is telling us. Instead of saying, bullshit, I am awesome. I'll, I'll just figure out what went wrong. That is always my instinct. I'll fight for myself, no matter who my opponent is, whether that's an experience, whether that is an actual person. But I think that is very lacking in most people. You're you're so quick to make victims out of yourself or take like a subservient position in your own life. Has that been your experience considering all the people you've worked with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say it, some yes, some no. I think that there are definitely some people that I think as a pattern, they keep coming back to this victim mentality where they're like, why me? Why? And that can't be a hard story to break. And that's another limiting belief, right? Like another something like only bad things happen to me or something can be the limiting belief connected to that. And then I also have worked with plenty of people who don't have that kind of mentality or mindset. And they're able to take on new ideas and run with some of those new ideas and start to do actions that change. So I do see that it can go both ways, but I hear you that there are definitely some people who get very stuck in this place of not feeling like they have enough confidence to trust that they can start to have a bigger voice. You know, I'm just thinking that thing you were saying earlier about how we know the best for ourselves. Nobody else is 
ever going to know as well as we know for ourselves. But it is a knowing that we have to connect to it. We don't just know it unless we give it space and time. But the other idea that comes to my mind when you were saying that is this idea of somebody rescuing us on the white horse, you know, like there's also this idea of like, we're going to be rescued by somebody, somebody else is going to see our worth and convince us of it and sort of take us into like a better world somehow. And I think that goes hand in hand with what you were saying about this, this idea that we know the best and also this idea of like, well, it's all happening to me and just really questioning some of that. I mean, and that's my hope with this is that at the very least, somebody will start to understand the concept that, oh, there are some ideas in there that I thought were true. Like I just took them at face value and figured, well, that's the way the world works. But maybe it's not how the world works. And let me question that. And I think that just that alone is a big place for somebody who hasn't started to question some of that to start. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that sometimes if you think, oh, this person hasn't called me back after our date because I was boring at the date. Maybe you really were boring at the date. (laughs) That is possible. But so what? So what? That was one date. You can, maybe you were boring to this one person. Maybe you won't be so boring to someone who shares your interests. Or maybe you were boring this one day because you just, you don't know how to flirt yet and you'll just get better at it. That is what how I want people to look at their experiences. I want them to always like act like, you know what? I am awesome. Let me maintain that perspective as I work through this. If you had to stoke that fire in people, like whoever is working with you, or you know, even if it's in a different capacity, if you had to stoke that fire, how would you do that? I would probably reflect back to people that I've been working with, what I've seen that goes against this idea and help them see. Usually, I mean, usually it's people that I've known a bit and they're struggling with their self-concept and we can talk about some of the experiences, some of what I understand from what they've shown me. And so I can reflect back to them what I've seen and we can tease it out together. What's coming from your childhood? Like, what is something that you took on this idea? What am I seeing that's in contrast to that? And also, where's your work? I mean, I talk to people a lot, like, what's the work that we each need to do? I feel like personal growth is like a lifelong journey, that there's always more personal growth to be done. We're at whatever stage we're at. But I think the goal is always to be looking at where we sort of being held back by certain things that are not serving us, what's that? And that shifts and changes and grows as we shift and change and grow. It's not like we never work through things, but as we work through things and go to another part of our journey, there's new stuff that comes up for us. So to really look at some of those things and also to celebrate some, because I've talked earlier, I know about taking these tiny steps, but As I say tiny steps, the reason why I focus on that so much is the bigger steps can be so daunting and so hard and unsustainable that the smaller steps really can help you move more steadily and it can be hard to see sometimes. So to have somebody reflect back to you some of what they've seen can be really helpful and to celebrate like Sometimes it may be a small step, but to know that that can be huge, that even if it's just a little thing, just knowing to look at it differently is huge. And to really be able to understand what movement looks like and what growth looks like. 100%. I agree with that so much. Through my own experience, I think I have realized that it's so important to celebrate the smaller milestones to also maintain that momentum because you're very human and at, you're going to get tired at some point. And anytime you get to the top of the mountain, there's always another mountain to climb. So it's better to celebrate the steps that are getting you closer to the top of the mountain. Because when you get to the top of the mountain, it's never that satisfying. It's There's always something else. There, that's right. If your goal, like if your focus is always just on the the outcome, the goal and all of that, well, that lasts how long? I'm not sure how long that might last, but the journey itself lasts. A long time. So if you're thinking of life satisfaction and all of that, yeah, absolutely. Finding 
a journey that speaks to you. Really keep tweaking what you need to tweak so that you're connected to the journey is so important because the outcome only lasts so long and then you're on to the next. And Before we move towards a different topic, I know that there is something you offer through which people can work with you. Let's talk about that a little bit so that people know how to contact you, how to work with you. So the first thing I offer actually is a free discovery session. So anybody who's considering working with me, they can sign up for it right on my website or email me if those times that I offer don't work for them. And so there's 20 minutes and we can just chat. And I offer a coaching program, Activate Coaching Program. And really what it is is a combination of individual and group. But the way I have it set up is very, again, very individual. Most people prefer to come in first individually, get to know me. The idea of group scares a lot of people, get sort of ready for the idea of group. It can be really, people are not necessarily ready to jump in. But as people get to know me and start to trust me, perhaps they feel more inclined than to take what might feel like a risk to try that space and and see what that feels like. And it's all virtual. Then when somebody does feel ready, it's usually a combination of individual and group, which can be really helpful. And I have people, we customize the individual frequency. So for some people, group is every other week. And so for some people, they'll continue with a weekly rhythm if that's where they started so maybe they do individual one week group one week and then individual on the off weeks and then sometimes people like monthly individual and every other week group and then sometimes people just do it as needed I mean ultimately the goal is to kind of not need the individual so much and be able to use every other every other week in group as sort of a way to continue forward on your personal growth journey I like the two together for a bit because what can happen is somebody goes to group and they're starting to get the lay of the land and realize it's a safe space. We can be vulnerable. And then something comes up where they feel a little frustrated and they don't know how to speak about it. Maybe somebody said something and they want they have a response, but they don't know how to say that or if they should say that. And that's something that they can talk with me about. Number one, we can just talk it through. What what would your goal be? How do you want to respond to that? And number two, we've had a shared experience. So it can be helpful for me to say, that's so interesting that that was your takeaway. My takeaway was a little bit different. And we can just sort of look at what that means and what we can learn about that particular client in that conversation. So that can be really powerful and helpful. And then at some point, the individual can just be as needed or not at all. But people tend to really like the support of the group. And it's individualized. So it's however long somebody finds it helpful. I have people start and stop when they feel ready to come and to join. And I like that too, because I think there's a real life component to oh, you're meeting new people. They kind of already know each other. What does that feel like to be coming into a situation when you're the new one? And the more we can sort of talk about what that feels like and and sort of look at it while it's happening, the more that helps people out in the world when they're doing, I mean, group can be a real place to practice some of those things. So the the group, the coaching program is called Activate. And if anybody is interested, you know, a free discovery session would be a great way to start. This is quite interesting, actually, because I don't know if anybody else is doing a combination of uh, one-on-one and group also, like together, those two combined and offering you the benefit of both. I think that's interesting. And that would be massively helpful, especially to people, again, who experience social anxiety or who are just shy and introverted. I think that would be massively helpful. So that's interesting. I'm going to have the links to all of this in the episode description. So if somebody wants to sign up for the discovery call or sign up right away for the coaching, can they sign up right away for the coaching or they have to go through the discovery call first? I think they do need, I'm just, I used to, for a little while I did have it so people could just sign on for a session with me, but I don't even have that. Yeah, the discovery call is the place to start and then we can take it from there. But it's uh, it's a a fun 20 minutes, so yeah. (laughs) Okay, now I want to talk to you about the things that you see online. There is this whole boss babe movement 
although it is beginning to lose its momentum, women seem to be sort of waking up to certain downsides to it. Let's put it like that. But along with this, other social media trends, talk to me about these things that you, the rah-rah, constantly up and aggressive, this approach that you see on social media. Do you think that's, like, what are your opinions about it? Because I think the work that you do, I don't think any of these movements are very sensitive to all of what you do. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Talk to me about that. Oh, I'm trying to think how to even answer that. I, I would tell you the thing that I've been thinking about lately in response to the whole social media thing is there's this real competition for I've got the right messaging for you. I can teach uh, you how to do yes. this. I'll tell you how to do this. And I think it undermines people's sort of inner guidance. And I I think that that is my concern is that the work that I do really is about helping people connect to their inner guidance. And that's a very specific, like going inside with somebody and helping them connect to their own energy. I mean, part of what I even respond to people with is when I'm talking with them, I can see a difference in their energy depending on what they're talking about. And if I see something that's real energetic when they're talking about it, I will pause or not pause, but I'll point it out to them and say, wow, you got a lot of energy around that. Let's talk about that because I can help them start to appreciate for themselves what are they actually really connecting to. And so I think my quick answer to you about social media is that's what I think is a huge problem. It's like all these experts vying for sort of the 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 following and, and the attention. And it's not to say I'm not talking. I mean, of course, I'm talking about ideas, too, that I'm hoping people will really connect to. But it's really about not giving up there's so much information out there. It's exhausting. And to process all this information out there to find yourself within that information is really another form, honestly, of energetic clutter. And so to really notice, okay, is this something that helps me connect to myself? Or is this something that leads to me abandoning myself and deciding, oh, this person, they've got it all figured out. That's sort of the scary stuff. Yeah. There's not much nuance to these social media movements. It, it, it does not cater much to your individuality, I think. So that's something I, and the work that you're doing, this is why I love people who talk about vulnerability, who talk about limiting beliefs, especially beliefs, because they are so unique to you that there couldn't possibly be a course or a uh, sort of a movement out there that can cater to all of it. In which case, what it means is if you've, you've jumped on that, you're going to be left behind eventually. Eventually, you're going to be left behind because it is not going to touch upon all of your sore spots, all of your wounds, like someone like you would. Like if somebody signs up with you in your group coaching, individual coaching, it's it's all about you. I think that is very important. And these they, they're very aggressive. I love I think they're great for getting someone started but I don't think there's much nuance to them eventually like when you start your business it is great to have that energy but eventually when you're tired and you need a strategy that caters to you you it is such an individual yeah. unique process I've heard somebody once refer to it I don't know if you have it in India cotton candy do you have cotton candy where yes, it's like of just course. dissolves we think it's we, like <laughs> big and fluffy and yeah, then yeah, yeah. like it we dissolves it. Yeah. yeah yeah so it's like uh, exactly I mean I think you're right it can be inspiring it can be a moment of like yes rah rah but then yeah. not stay too engaged in that because I think it, yeah. it can be this um insatiable thing actually like let me keep trying to fill myself up with these ideas so I feel better when really for you to connect to take these ideas and start to figure out what am I going to start to apply to my life what am I moving on not just staying in the headspace and like receiving and thinking and trying to get that but the action piece is so important to for all of us to our journeys of just even checking in what does that feel like I think this is going to work well for me but 
as I move forward, how does it feel? Is it really continuing to be something that works for me? I think there is also this very, like, it's a very subtle, there is a subtlety to this that not a lot of people grasp, wherein you believing that you're awesome, that you matter, but also not being entitled about it. Yeah. Be a boss, babe, if that resonates with you, but also bring like a fuck ton of humility with you if you actually want to grow and keep growing and be an inspiring role model for someone. Don't be entitled about it. Like there's so much entitlement, something that, you know, a young kid just that has just come out of college and is stepping into the adult world for the first time and feeling very important because of it completely overlooks that all of these narratives that are being spun for my benefit, there is so much entitlement there. Not everybody deserves to be a CEO. Only people who can do the work, who can hone their resources to that extent, who have the qualities of a leader or stuff like that. For someone to be at the helm of a company that makes millions, that's not for everyone. Yeah. But there are other paths for you that you can take that are just as amazing. I think that gets overlooked. There is no room for that subtlety to be highlighted wherein, yes, you're amazing. Fight for yourself. But yes, you're also a very, you're human. You're flawed. So let's also take into account where you are failing and let's work on that. And this is the thing. Maybe you do all of this work. And for 10 years, you've, you've got great success. You make a lot of noise. You make a lot of impact. But if you've not done the work that, you know, you are making people do now through your uh, content, through your coaching, if you have not done the work, eventually you're going to hit a wall. And then maybe if you're in your 30s and you've already had this much success and now your ego is all wrapped up in it, imagine how hard it is going to be then to do that work. It's interesting because I feel like it's almost the reverse side of these limiting beliefs, but it's like somebody who isn't, hasn't been held back by them. So there's this sort of moving forward with it, had some level of success with it, but it doesn't have the depth. It doesn't have the inner what's been built up that's true over the years. It's very superficial. This is why I think this is... You know, I I already told you, I love the work that you're doing because there is this emotional sensitivity to it. This is you waking up to your humanness, to the fact that you are human, which means that some days you, you're flying high and some days you're in the, you know, pit of despair. And both of those experiences are very valid. You can be the CEO some days and then some days you can be curled up in a ball because you're petrified that you do not deserve to sit in that chair both those experiences are valid (laughs) and this is why I I love the work that you're doing now there's something that I often argue about with my mom and with some of my friends wherein I would tell them don't say these things around your kids like my mom has always told us that western medicine all of these medicines have so much so many side effects that even when they're they're helping you they're doing terrible things to your body so she's so even when I'm in pain I, I struggle to take medication that I absolutely do need because there are these ideas that are floating in my head. And I told my mom, you've said that to me, but if someday I have a kid, you, you're not going to say that to, to my kid. Make sure this does not get said. Make sure that does not get said. Make sure this does not happen. And that, and I'm like, this is impossible. You can't control how you're, they're going to be my kid's grandparents. They get to talk to my kid however they want to. So I feel like, is there a better process? I want to ask you, if there is a kid now fresh, like this, this baby that is so innocent, has had no experiences, is being raised by adults who do have their own experiences. How do we make sure? Is there a way to make sure that we don't feed very negative ideas? Or like, there is, is there a process that we can do with our kid wherein we are checking in, making sure that no, nothing is being fed to that kid mentally that is going to obstruct their growth? I mean, I always think that the most important thing we can do with our kids is keep an open communication with them so that conversations can happen about that. So just if we follow your story a little bit, so you have a kid, your kid's around your mom, and the kid is all of a sudden saying, ooh, Western medicine is so bad, I need to not do that thing, but I feel awful. That's part of the conversation that share with the kid. You know, that, that happened for me. I struggled with that. These are 
the options, what feels true to you and help them connect back to themselves. And that's why I think open communication is just the most important thing in your relationship with your kids. I have two grown daughters and I would say that is something that has allowed us to work through and talk through different things and come up with some better understanding of what's going on for the kids and help them know how to make some choices. So it's a tricky question. I I think that there's some (laughs) cartoons that have been out there. I'm trying to think I remember it, like a cactus and a balloon. But it's it's just this idea that you cannot protect your kid by changing the world. You know, like that changing the world, there might be places, right? You could have that conversation with your mother and you could say, can we keep, conversations about medicine off the table, which she may or may not do, right? Like maybe she would, maybe she wouldn't, who knows. But if you also have an open conversation with your kids so that you can talk through those things, then that can be really helpful. So yeah, is there a way to not damage our kids? No. (laughs) My kids are human too. And as much as I've done this work forever, for longer than they've been born, you know, I've got my own stuff that I don't even realize. I'm like, I taught my older daughter is very much non people pleaser because she saw her mother be a people pleaser and she saw how problematic that is. So she's quickly averse to people pleasing, which is interesting, but that sometimes she might go on the other side of that where it's, you know, she doesn't want to be a people pleaser. So she's very quickly not being accommodating. And there's perhaps somewhere in between that would honor, you know, our truths more than that, both for both of us, you know, it's almost the two sides of the same coin. So yeah, but we cannot prevent our kids being raised by a human being. I love that answer. Thank you for that. And I love loved your wording. Is there a way not to damage your kid? No. <laughs> I love that from the get-go, you know you're going to break shit. You know you're going to damage your kid. But let's still do our best to minimize that damage and keep talking to them. I, I, I love that. Yeah. Constant, consistent, open communication. Yes, yeah. That, yeah. That and sense. maybe even yeah. keep teaching that idea of like, look, I'm doing the best I can, but you're going to have your own journey that you have to figure out because you're human too. And so you're going to have your stuff. We all have stuff. Well, what do you know? We've reached the end of this episode. Thank you so much for joining me today, for supporting the podcast and for sharing your time with me. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show on whatever podcast platform you love. You can also watch the video version of the interviews and most of the solo episodes on my YouTube channel. Link is in the episode description. Now, if you made it this far, you must love the content at least a little bit, or maybe you just like hanging out with me, or there was something in this particular episode that resonated with you. Or maybe it's all of those things. I would love to know. So if you've got a minute, it will be great if you can drop a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can send me your thoughts on the show via email. Now, if you want content that goes deeper than even the podcast does with a lot of real life stories, one-on-one interactions, or just become part of my tribe, subscribe to my weekly newsletter. The link is in the episode description. Once again, thank you so, so much for sharing your time with me. Take care and I will be back soon with the next episode.